All right, you ready? I think I'm ready. What is up, guys and gals? Welcome to episode 51 of the What Makes Us Human podcast. Right here is John Lindemann, and over there, about four feet away, is J.R. Parks. J.R., how are you? I'm doing well. It's uh, It's been a good weekend. It's been busy. My uh, my lovely wife, Hannah, designed a new logo for our uh, little farm, and so I've been getting stuff updated on our website and social media and stuff for that, trying to drum up some more egg sales and stuff with that. So. Nice. How about you? Good. I, I don't have chickens, and I'm not selling eggs. But and I would not know what to do with chickens if I had them. I would be calling you to come get them. Um, but it's been pretty good. We've had some great weather. Yeah, it was a little a little cold last night. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's turning back warm again this week, and uh, feels like spring. We all kind of forgot about what was coming last night, and I woke up and the house was a nice. 58 degrees in the house. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I kicked the heat on last night for the first time in probably a month. Yeah. Because uh, it, it, was, it was it turned cold quick. Yeah. My wife wanted to get some flowers uh, today at a large home improvement store here in the Carolinas uh, after church, and I reminded her it's not good to plant flowers in the Carolinas before Jesus comes out of the tomb, oh. which is next week this year, and sometimes that's still too early. Yeah, I'm I'm beginning most of the rest of my garden plants this weekend, but thankfully it looks like everything that I do have that's up uh, survived the cold temperatures last night. So. Yeah. You know, I think I may have mentioned something along those lines last week at the beginning, but I can't remember. I think so. Yeah. Well, are you ready for this one? Yeah, I think so. All right, this is going to be a different one. All right, so listener, don't let us lose you. Do not immediately turn us off when I say what this is going to be about. Um, I think we're going to make this really good, fun. Well, fun might be a stretch, but I think it's going to be very informative. So today we're talking about why we ask why. The whys of why. The whys of why. Okay. Sounds like a nerdy, sounds like somebody that would open for Rush. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the little math rock. The whys of why. Yep. So, uh... This is something I pondered for a little while as far as for the podcast. I, I didn't do a whole lot of homework on it. Um, but, uh, you know, as this as the podcast moves forward, listeners will learn more and more about us. Uh, and they've, if they've been listening, they probably are aware that you and I go to church. Yeah, probably. Uh, grew up in church, both of us. Uh, and still in church. And... One of the things, we're actually recording this in the basement of a church right now. Yep. But uh, one of the things I think that has come with that is we've had a lot of opportunity to, uh, we've run into a lot of people from a lot of walks of life. Um, a lot of folks visit and, you know, they may stay for a little bit and then keep on trucking or uh, they become members and stay for decades. But, uh You bump into a lot of people, and most people, if they're popping into a church, they are, a lot of times they're looking for something. Sure. Yeah. And a lot of times they have some questions, and a lot of times it's the same questions, just phrased differently. Okay. Yeah, you know. So um, I wrote a couple things on the board. There's a board in this room in front of us. 
And I met you at the first hallway. You kind of got to go down a couple hallways to get in this room, folks. And I met Jared at the front door and took him into one of the classrooms and said, hey, before you go into our room, we're going to record him. Um, what are three of humanity's big questions that, that we have? And you said... Why are we here? Why are we here? How did we get here? How did we get here? And why do we suffer? Yep. And I said, it's kind of like the three questions you would ask on a vacation gone wrong. Okay. (laughs) Why are we here? Who's the idiot that drove us here? How did we get here? And why are we suffering while we're in this nasty motel? You know, kind of thing. So I wrote on the board... Uh, some questions, three questions that I have had people throw at me innumerable amounts of times. And there's a why wrapped up in each one of them. Uh, the, the main one that I've had thrown at me throughout my life is, is there a God? And I rephrase that parenthetically because that's, a, that's not only a question, it's also a statement, you know? Sure. Yep. And the statement in there is pretty much the why question. Why hasn't God contacted me? Okay. If he exists, why is he aloof? That's kind of what's wrapped up in that question when it's presented to me. Sure. You know, because I'm lonely. Yeah. Are we alone in the universe? That's one that a lot of people ask. Are we alone in the universe? Um, and the why question that's wrapped up in that is, uh, what's the guy's name that, oh, shoot. It's a very famous, he pretty much came up with this. If there's so many planets in the universe, we should have already bumped into about nine different civilizations and had contact with them already. Oh, um, and the question he posed is, why haven't we? Yeah. Um, and that's the, are we alone in the universe is basically saying, why haven't we discovered other life elsewhere yet? It starts with an F. Uh, the Fermi paradox. That's it. The Fermi paradox. Yep. And, uh, Enrique Fermi. Now I can remember his freaking first name. He, he, as soon as you said it starts with an F, I was like, oh yeah, the Fermi paradox. The Fermi paradox. So he posed that question. Um, why in the world are we alone in the universe when there's so many thousands, if not millions, of planets that are in the Goldilocks zone with their sun, and which means they're not too hot, they're not too cold? Why is there suffering? I said suffering really southern just then. Why is there suffering? Um, and that's a question I think a lot of us have, have asked. Most, probably 99.9% of us have asked. Why is there suffering in the world? And that question is also a statement. Is the suffering proof that if there is a God, he's just aloof and he's not helping us? He doesn't care. It's kind of the trolley car thing for a person. You know, there's no good answer to why is there suffering if it's a theological question. Okay. You know, because if if we're suffering because there is nobody out there to help us, be it an alien or God, then we're totally alone. And that's... That's a bad situation, you know? And But if there is someone out there to help us and we're suffering, why isn't he or she or it helping? Okay. Yeah. So all that wrapped up, for those of you that are left and haven't tuned out, (laughs) 
all that is wrapped up um, in the main the main statement that humans are sentient, and we can actually ask why we're not running around just feeding our faces and procreating with the 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 every other person we see that's of the opposite sex, like dogs and geese and squirrels, you know. And and even in that statement, even in me saying those words in a sentence just now, proves. There's got to be something different about us. Sure, and that's, that's actually exact, exactly what I was thinking as you as you posed that to me earlier, talking about animals, is dogs aren't asking those kinds of questions. Right, right. I was at a church function. You could play a drinking game with the word church in this one. Uh I was at a church function years ago, and we were at a park, and it was just one of those great days, man, the... The temperature was just perfect. There was a cloud in the sky. I had the next day off from work. That's a big one. <laughs> you don't have the Sunday blues, you know. Somebody found a football, and we're in the park just playing. You know, just just one of those great days. Yeah. Uh, the food is endless, you know. But after two p.m., you stay away from the potato salad because it's a little hot outside. <laughs> you know. I mean, and there was a pond there, and we were all playing football and goofing around, and uh, we had a moment where we were taking a a Gatorade break, so to speak. And we're all standing on the shore of the pond, just chit-chatting, getting ready to start up the next game. And this Drake, is it a Drake duck? Yes. Male? Yes. This Drake. We had this discussion last we week. Did, yeah, yeah, we did. This Drake swims up to a female duck called a. I don't know. Female duck. And proceeded to hold her head underwater while he had his way with her. And it was something to see, buddy. And, you know, you got this church group standing there watching this violent, horrific-looking thing happen to this poor girl, Duck. And then uh, it's over in a second or two, and uh, they just both swim away side by side. And um, there you go. And, And parents are thinking, I'm going to have to explain this to my kids later. Why did he, yeah, why did that happen? But, you know, somebody looked at somebody else, I remember, of, you know, three or four or five feet away and said, wow, there's something different between ducks and humans, isn't there? You know, and we all laughed. Yeah. So um, we are sentient. There's something different. We stand out. Okay. Now, what's the definition of sentient? Sentient is able to feel able to be aware of your surroundings and to feel pleasure or and or pain. And most vertebrates are sentient. But sentience is made up of three things, and once we get into those three, two and three, you lose pretty much 99% of creation. Okay. Or whatever you want to, you know, if you don't believe in a God, I guess you use the world, animals, whatever. Um, so sentience is made up of, a, being self-aware. A dog is self-aware. He has an itch, he licks it. it. He's hungry, he goes after food. Does self-awareness there also get into the dog knowing that he's a dog? A little bit, because he knows his kind. Okay. Yeah, he knows his kind. So, you know, when you play for a dog on your phone, uh, whoo! You know, my, my dog Yeti will immediately perk up. But if I play a rooster crowing, he just looks at me like, what are you doing? Okay. You know, so that, yeah, there's a bit of self-awareness there as far as okay. 
Yeah. But he's hungry. He goes after food. He, he feels uh, when it's cold outside and you're a deer and you're in the rut, you'll run in front of a car to chase after a girl, you know, to get that dough. So there is some self-awareness. All right. Now, where we really lose and humans begin to stand out is B with metacognition. When you get to metacognition, you go from self-awareness to self-reflection. Okay. That's where we really lose everything else. Sure. Yeah. Self-reflection being more with the hard vacation metaphor. You know, um, I've heard life described as a <laughs> as a very expensive carnival with really cheap, nasty prizes. Okay. <laughs> you know, by somebody that's not enjoying life. Sure. And, that's, and then you have self-reflect. Well, why is it this way? Why is everything dirty and so expensive and I'm impoverished? You know, so that, that kind of puts you in mind of like a child and during the industrial revolution. Sure. You know, in England or something. Um, so, all right. Self-awareness, metacognition, and then number three that makes up being sentient theory of the mind. Um, theory of the mind is where you're not only self-reflective, but you are empathetic and you, uh, are able to reflect on the situation of others beyond beyond yourself sure now will a monkey or a chimpanzee will a chimpanzee um bring food to another chimpanzee who's hungry yeah he will but how empathetic is he really being sure well how much of that is just self-preservation among the species you know yeah yeah and i think this gets into because earlier when you when you said it's now believed that most, or was it vertebrates, I believe you said, are yeah. sentient. Yeah. You know, my response was, well, it depends on how you define sentience. Right. And in my mind, it's it, it, it encompasses all three of these to be sentient, which would mean, in fact, that humans are the sentient ones and the others are not. Now, if you, if you, if you allow for, you can have one point of this and it's some level of sentience, well, then, yeah, you can make that argument. But it really comes back to defining the term. Yeah, it does. And it seems that science today is... is So up until very recently, Descartes pretty much set the bar for this with that animals don't feel pain and they don't feel pleasure. But I think it's pretty... Anybody that's hit a deer and then pulled off the side of the road and the deer's suffering, I mean... I think it's pretty obvious that animals suffer and they also feel, I wouldn't say joy, but they respond in a way that seems that they can be happy um, to different stimuli. You know? As I say, they respond to stimuli negatively or positively. Right. Yeah. 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 But and another de- seems to have moved away from their car, is what I'm saying. Yeah. But another deer standing on the side of the road doesn't, doesn't feel empathetic for the deer that That's right. Hit. Yes. Right. So uh, the the metacognitive and the the other deer's not standing there metacognitively saying, "Wow, I'm glad I didn't get hit," you know. Yeah. And he's not standing there with a the theory of the mind of what can I do to help you out, bro. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, as a deer hunter, <laughs> I have I have shot a deer with, that was with several other deer, and uh, if it's a situation where the deer doesn't run, if if it's a clean shot and the deer just drops. The other deer just stand there. They might look over at the other deer, 
but they just keep going about their business, eating and, yeah. you know, like, if it runs, then they're all going to run. Yeah. Because they, you know, they assume something's wrong. But if it's just a, if it's just, if it just drops, they might look over at it and then just go back to what they were doing. There's no empathy. There's no, yeah. oh, we need to do something to help him or, you know, what have you. Yeah. Now, since church seems to keep coming up, I'll just keep bringing it up. Have you ever been in a service where uh, you hear a commotion and basically what you're hearing is a heavy Bible hitting the floor back in the day when it, the Bible wasn't on our phones? Um, you hear a heavy Bible hit the floor and then you hear another thud and you hear a little commotion and uh, you end up having the, somebody goes and calls 911. You ever been in a service where you had to call 911 for somebody? I have not. You have not? Really? I have not. Wow. Okay. I have a couple of times. Um our pastor emeritus here pretty much died in some one Sunday morning and came back. I mean, it was crazy, but I mean, he didn't really, but he he looked like he had gone away. Yeah, and he sat right back up when the when the EMS came. But my point there is, when one of us just drops, we don't all just keep going. If sure. We stop and because of theory of the mind. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we're sentient. We ask questions. We ask. Why did Jared just drop? Did somebody shoot him? <laughs> you know what I mean? We ask, why can ducks do that in a pond? But it would be very disturbing if we did that in the pond that the church get together, you know? And it's funny because of that. Right. All right. Now, why, and we kind of touched on this earlier, it can be both, picture the circles that like a Venn diagram Okay. That bleed into each other, sort of. Okay. okay. Um, it can be a question. It can be a statement. It can be a question and a statement. And it can be problem solving, which a lot of times also is a statement. Okay. So you can say uh, the question, why is there suffering? Um, we ask why as a statement. Like, for instance, why did Jeffrey Dahmer kill people and eat them? Now, you're not asking that. So because you might get an answer that Exactly. Yeah, you're not saying, oh, well, okay, well, then it's all right that he did that. You know, that's not, you're making a statement that, oh, my gosh, this is one of the worst things I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. And when I was a child and I saw those blue barrels on the news coming out of his apartment and it hit me what was in those blue barrels, um, I grew up a little bit that night. Okay. I did not know that human beings, I, I don't remember how old I was, but I was quite young. And I, I remember... I can see that right now from the television. I was deeply disturbed. And in my mind, I was asking, why yeah. in the world would an adult human being do that when he has the money to go buy Star Wars toys instead? <laughs> you know, I mean, why would you choose to do that? Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it really disturbed me. So it can be a question. It can be a statement. Why did Jeffrey Dahmer do that? And it can be a problem-solving thing. Why can't I reach my goal? Sure. Where I'm just trying to reach a goal. Now, the reason I brought up our experience with um, rubbing elbows with folks from the community and folks that have been in the church with us for decades that we know on a on the intimate levels, right? But you know what I'm saying. You, sure. You have a great relationship with them. You're deep friends. Um, is that uh, these can be really tangled into one another. Why is there suffering? Well, all right, well, Joe, why are you asking that? Are you suffering? 
Yeah. Have you seen something? You know what I mean? That that's causing you to ask this. And obviously you're problem solving. You know? Um, is this a faith issue? Is this um why are you asking the question is, is a lot of times more important than the answer to the question. Sure. Yeah. All right. So these questions that we ask, why, evidently there's a term for this in psychology called cognitive dissonance. Sure. And cognitive dissonance is when you see conflicting information um, that interacts with a belief system or a worldview that you have and have had for probably quite some time. So um, one of the things, I'll keep going with the churchy stuff, one of the things that you could say you might have some cognitive dissonance on is a person who uh, is a, a staunch creationist and they go off to college and they leave college feeling like, well, there's ample proof for evolution. So there's some cognitive dissonance there between their belief system and their worldview on maybe a six day creation. And then what they've, what they've been told in college that seems to have a lot of, uh, maybe they feel a lot to back it up, some evidence to back it up that maybe the Genesis story is not the case, but it's more of an evolutionary thing that happens scientifically. And so there you may end up with a discussion with a, a friend who's saying, why do we believe what we believe again? You know? Yeah. Um, and you got this some cognitive dissonance that's creating a why question. Yeah. Um, I, I'm reminded uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald, uh, you know, he wrote that uh, the test of a first-rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposing ideas in the mind at the same time and still retain the ability to function. Nice. One should, for example, be able to see that things are hopeless, yet be determined to make them otherwise. Huh. Uh, so as you were talking about that, uh, yeah, it reminded me of the yeah the idea of of being able to hold two opposing ideas and wrestle with them and yeah how much of how how much of that ability to wrestle with ideas is what makes us human you know not to there's just, the name of the podcast not to just yeah you know, not to just go right at it but that's you know really the point that's being made here yeah. Well, there's not much I can say after that. That's pretty good. So cognitive dissonance um, kind of has two sections to it. There is perceptual. Cognitive dissonance kind of has two sections to it. There's perceptual curiosity. And then there is, I can't read my writing over there. I think it says epistemic. Epistemic curiosity. Perceptual curiosity has a negative connotation. So in perceptual curiosity, <clears throat> in my, uh, which I've had this happen many times in conversations over the years, uh, perceptual curiosity would have the negative connotation of the person having a crisis of faith because of what they learned in anthropolo anthropology class versus what they've been taught all their life um, from the Pentateuch. Okay. About creation. Sure. So then they would have a negative, okay, I'm having a little bit of a crisis of faith here. Which one of these is correct? You know. Um, and then epistemic curiosity is the joy that comes from reading the F. Scott Fitzgerald quote 
and you realize, okay, well, let's continue to dig. Um, there's some there's some joy in uh, the intellectual chase of determining where I'm going to end up landing here. Sure, we can and should wrestle with ideas. Yes, and throwing one thing out the window um, totally is usually the wrong idea. It's it's good to take both things and look at them. But what that requires is um, realizing and helping the person realize that, hey, it's okay to have doubt. It's okay to doubt your faith. A lot of times that's what grows your faith in the end, you know? Sure. Um, and it's also okay to read a book that you normally wouldn't read uh, just to take another look from a different angle at what you're looking at. So you actually know what you're dealing with. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of reminded, and this is not really intended to be a political statement because you see it from both so, both of the major sides, but in our world today, or at least in our country today... We're in the U.S., by the way. There is... Trapped. <laughs> there is so much of a pushback against even hearing opposing ideas. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, you know, much less actually wrestling with them, you know, being challenged and, and coming to a, a, a conclusion of some sort. No, it's, it's, we don't even want to hear it. Right. Yeah. And that's, I would say, I think Victor Davis Hanson has said that the historian has said that that's kind of a major sign of the, you're looking at the grave marker of classical liberalism. Hmm. You know, a good classical liberal, he wants the he wants Stephen Jay Gould, Richard Dawkins, and Billy Graham all in the same room. Yeah. Although uh, some of those are dead now, but he wants that he wants all those represented so they can have a wonderful, cogent, scientific, faith-based, philosophical discussion where you cover God, Plato, and the gene, you know, and you really hash it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that is dead now. And it's, it's really sad. It certainly, yeah, it certainly seems that way. And it is very unfortunate. Yeah. And hopefully, I mean, I, I don't know if this kind of thing is, I don't, I, is cyclical or not. I don't know if we've ever seen anything quite like what we're dealing with here. Um, and in other parts of the world too, but hopefully we'll get back around to where all voices can uh, um, can ring true in the room. Can have access to the public square. Yes, can have access to the public square. Yeah. 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 Because that's one of the things that makes us human, you know, is hearing each other. Yeah. Um, who was it that somebody said, I'm showing some ignorance here, but somebody said that the best remedy for bad speech is more speech. I don't know that I've heard that one. And that is a really good, and it's one of our founding fathers. I'm pretty sure, but I'm drawing a blank on doing it tongue in cheek. I can't remember who said it, but I would agree with that. So, uh, why do we ask why? Because we want to find out. And I think that's, uh, that search, that hunger, um, to problem solve, to make a statement through a question, to just ask a simple question is really what makes us human. That is really, I know it's on the nose for the name of the podcast, but um, it's really special to me because 
my dad, he's 80 now, but one of the main things my father taught me is ask why. Dig deeper. You know what I mean? Sure. Don't just believe this because your grandparents believe it and I believe it and your mom believes it. Ask why. Dig. Find out. You know, and along the journey, you're going to doubt. You are going to doubt. But keep striving. Keep pushing. Um, and it's forced me to... Uh, it's forced me to read my Bible. It's forced me to read Stephen Jay Gould's uh, the th- the structural the theory of structural evolution. It's forced me to look into Dawkins and Hitchens. Now, have I picked a side? Yeah, you know I have. Is it okay that I picked a side? Yeah, it's okay. Um, and it's more of a faith faith based side. But um, but it's the chase is okay. Absolutely, you know I mean? yeah. It- Always ask questions. Yeah. Yeah. So there have been some big words in the day. Cognitive dissonance, which I wasn't too familiar with. Theory of the mind, metacognition, self-awareness. But it's it's all intellectual mumbo-jumbo to, just to boil down um, the way intellectuals look at a conversation between you and your buddy who's struggling. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of why we ask why? That's pretty good. I hope so. And if you have a major question that you're wrestling with, we'd love to hear it because chances are, since we're all human, we have probably on some level asked the question. Um, and we're not coming down from the mountain with some crazy answer. But uh, if you have a question that you want to share with us, uh, we would probably like to, to share our journey with you on the question and know that you're not alone. Sure. I was going to say, it's not like we're promising we'll have the answer. That's right. Yeah. But it was, you know, it's really important just to finish this off. I hadn't thought about this till just now, but there's a question. There is a question. I don't know what it was, but there's a question. Robin Williams took to his grave. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I had a buddy when I was young named Sandy and there's a question that Sandy took to his grave. And both those men put themselves in the grave. Hmm. So this is really important. And you shouldn't take an unanswered question to your grave. You should ask it to somebody. Sure. Yeah. That's really... And it's become more and more common now that, that people do that. And if you're struggling with that, um, you don't be afraid to go to somebody and say, Hey, I... I'm going to hit you with a bomb here, but I've got a major question and I've got a struggle, you know, so share that with somebody. Yeah. I wonder how much of, how much of our society's unwillingness to have discussions and to hear questions and to be challenged maybe contributes to some of that. Yeah. I think a lot. Yep. Well, next week it's going to be our one year anniversary and it'll be a lighter subject. Yeah. (laughs) All right, folks. Well, thank you for tuning in. If you uh, enjoyed this, be sure to leave us a review, uh, like the episode, and uh, go ahead and subscribe if you have not already on whatever platform you are listening. And share this episode with someone who you think might enjoy it. Yeah, like, rate, subscribe, and share. You can find us on social media, unfortunately, at WMUH Podcast at, on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Speaking of the end of society, <laughs> right? 
Uh, you can email us, wmuhpodcast at gmail.com. So go ahead and reach out to us. We always love to hear from our listeners. Yeah. We'll see you next week. See ya.